So hello and welcome to the Still We Rise podcast series. I'm your host, Nathan. We are on episode three of our Solidarity Knows No Borders series in partnership with Migrants Organize. Today we speak to four organizers and activists who are on the front line of fighting the hostile environment. Our focus in these conversations was to not only find out what work they're engaged in, but to understand why solidarity matters. To give what you'll hear from them some context, the dynamics of prejudice, dehumanization and ill-treatment are hardly without historical precedent. So some may ask, what drives this government's hostile environment and punitive nationality and borders bill that's currently going through its second reading in the House of Lords? I'd suggest the answers are not difficult to fathom. It's likely the sum of numerous elements amongst them, Britain's part in slavery and its reducing some human beings to chattels and possessions that could be traded. Then it's imperialism and colonialism, this invasion of other people's lands and drawing up of arbitrary boundaries. But these boundaries were were not only physical, they were multi-layered. They're religious, they're tribal, they're ethnic, they're economic. They manifest in present-day legislation. It's a continuation of the same doctrine that now shapes the agenda. They're not an accident of some incompetent, ruthless, inhumane people. They're designed to operate in this manner. Unfortunately, what this approach does to the fabric of society is it preys on some people's fears and at times ignorance and has willfully contributed to a political culture whereby immigration is understood not as an enriching opportunity but as a burden. Herein lies the basic ugly folly behind so many short-term immigration policies. If you build a 10-foot fence to keep out people who are fleeing wars and conflict, they will build an 11-foot ladder to climb over it. If you weaponize a fortress to repel people, they will seek ever more desperate ways to penetrate it. They have no choice. They are fighting for their lives. So the least we can do is to ground the discussion on immigration in accuracy and truth, however inconvenient. This is not, as some might suggest, a question of guilt, but it's of historical responsibility. Many need to come here precisely because Britain insisted on going there. So I went along to Migrants Organizers Solidarity Knows No Borders Conference, where I first spoke to Brian Dickoff, who's a legal organizer. So Brian, welcome. Thank you so much, Nathan, for having me here today. So talk to us about your your group and your organization and what you do at Migrants Organize. Yeah, so um, I'm the legal organizer at Migrants Organize. Um, so my work is kind of split into two, I would say. Um, I'm an immigration and welfare advisor and caseworkers. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also do kind of campaigning, organizing, policy work. Um, and strategic legal work. Um, so at Migrants Organized, I coordinate this um, strategic project called the Migrants Mental Capacity Advocacy Project. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a brief kind of background. 
under our community program, Migrants Organized provide direct support for asylum seekers and um, refugees and migrants in London. Um, and a lot of the people that we support suffer from a lot of mental health issues. Um, and so my mental capacity project is kind of like a subset of the community program where we take in the most significant cases uh, mm. of individuals who are sectioned under the Mental Health Act, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we look into how um, these individuals can really access the immigration system or the welfare system that they so desperately need. Yeah, just, just so our audience can get a a better understanding of what's the cause of these mental health challenges that people are 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 facing is it because they're in their asylum system or is it or is it external from that or is it just the fact that they've come from a place where they're fleeing conflict and they've they're seeking sanctuary so their yeah. mental capacity is uh, I think it's both, to be honest. I mean, we're, 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 when we're talking about asylum seekers, then by definition, they are individuals who are really have gone through a, a lot of trauma um, yeah. in their country of origin or in their way to the um, UK. They've been trafficked, tortured. Um, and, you know, it, it's really, it's kind of, um, I would be surprised if, any, you know, anyone who is... Oh, yeah, anyone Just, who's going through their yeah, system, who yeah. hasn't had any kind of mental health issues or some kind of um, trauma symptoms. Yeah, um, and then obviously when they're in the UK, the asylum process and the immigration process in general outside of asylum is so difficult, and the hostile environment so hostile. Mm-hmm. Um, these individuals don't get the the support that they need, mm-hmm. um, which obviously exacerbate more um, the mental health um, issues or conditions that they already have. Um, of course, some of them um, do have kind of um, just more organic kind of mental health conditions. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be genetic, it might be from their family, but, you know, as, as with any um, other people in this world. Okay, so what kind of practical support are, does Migrants Organize give them then? Um, so we do a lot of, um, we, we provide the casework support and advice. There is a real gap in the system at the moment mm-hmm. um, to, assist, to assess a lot of these individuals. So for example, I'm working with a few um, men from China mm-hmm. who's, uh, who's been here, I think all of them more than a decade now. Um, mm-hmm. And they're in and out of the hospital, the mental health hospital, because they suffer from schizophrenia or other related problems, um, and they just don't have the necessary kind of mental capacity to understand the immigration process. Right. So when you talk to them, they don't even know what asylum is or where the home office is. Mm-hmm. One of them thinks he's from the America, uh, the United States, for example, um, even though he's Chinese, but he has mm-hmm. all these kind of delusions or dreams that he himself doesn't really know. Um, mm-hmm. So if you think about these situations, how can a solicitor assist these individuals, for example? Yeah. Because you know, as a solicitor, then you have to take instructions from your client. Your yeah. client tells you what their story are and then present that to the home office. And that is also how the home office works. You know, you have the asylum interview where the home office asks, you know, why exactly you want to claim asylum here. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for normal individuals, you know, um, individ- not normal, I guess, um, individuals who don't suffer from mental health issues, yeah. the process is already so difficult and, you know, the office really kind of try to catch you on an inconsistency and then refuse your asylum claim based on that Um, so then you think about these individuals who don't even you know um, might have problems with memory or delusions Um, so it's no surprise that a lot of their accounts are inconsistent um, Mm. because they themselves might not know what has happened to them Um, so then we think about then how can these individuals still get refugee status, still get protection or status in the UK and be mm-hmm. able to escape the hostile environment? 
um, because otherwise then they also don't get the support that they need. Right, so in the work that you're, you're doing, are you actually finding that some of these guys who you say probably don't have the mental capacity mm. to, to be interviewed by the Home Office, but still are. Yeah. They still are yeah. interviewed. Yeah. And some of them are still interviewed. But they, they can't be competent witnesses. Though. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. This is partly why yeah. this theme of solidarity knows no borders is, is important for the public yeah. to understand that this is what um, the migration system is like. So. Personally, Brian, what what does solidarity knows no borders means to you? What does it what does that mean to you? Um, I think it just uh, you know it, it recognizes how migration is just a. I think Drinka talks about this a lot. It's just a fact of life, um, and I really like this because you know it's borders were created. I think it's quite like a recent creation. Um, mm. We were talking about history of things. Um, mm. And, and people move all the time, has always been the case and will always be the case. Mm. And, you know, especially nowadays with globalization and, you know, internet and whatever. Um, so really, we're, we're kind of trying to impose something that is really artificial and mm. kind of goes against what people do, which is migrate and move. Um, yeah. 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 And how do you, how, how then can we build, build the solidarity? well, build this movement, I guess, um, and get the British public to, to join in in breaking down some of these barriers that exist. Mm. I think um, the best thing to do is actually to meet people um, and to expand your kind of network and see other people. Um, because I think it's hard sometimes when you read in the Daily Mail um, about refugees and how they come and they steal all our jobs or, you know, yeah. <laughs> benefits and all this nonsense. Um, yeah. And then you don't actually have that opportunity or you, you've never kind of pushed yourself to actually find out for yourself, to meet someone who's been through that experience, to share your stories, mm -hmm. to talk to each other. Because then when you do that, the person becomes an actual person mm -hmm. and not just this kind of misinformation that is out there. Um, so I think, yeah, yeah, having that conversation, um, pushing yourself to go outside your um, comfort zone. Yeah, and how, how do you maintain hope? Because in the real world out mm. there, what Pretty Patel is doing is she's essentially pulling up the drawbridge for, yeah. for asylum seekers by, by criminalizing anybody who arrives here without prior authorization. Yeah. So how does your movement maintain hope um it's difficult sometimes but i find as like uh you know as a caseworker um i think the um the energy from the sector is really something that's quite spectacular mm -hmm. it's a really tight-knit small sector and you, you kind of you know even though i work at migrants organized yeah. the mental capacity project for example we're supported by 12 different professionals across um, the sector, mm -hmm. so solicitors from environments, from the Air Center, from South Africa Global Center, we all come together with this project, and that's kind of the you know the type of collaboration that we see all the time in the sector. People supporting each other, um, you know, fighting the good fight against Pity Patel and the Home Office, yeah. and, and that is really something that you know you feel supported, um, and and it's nice that it's you know beyond your organization as well. Okay, and tell us how people can can join your movement and where they can find your your information and what plans have you got for the future so people can join in. Um, so we are 
well, inf more information can be obtained from our website, so at migrantsorganized.org. Um, although the website is still kind of in, in the works at the moment. Right. <laughs> so maybe in a month's time, check the website out. Yeah. Um, or they can um, contact me directly as well. My email address is on the website already. Um, we are walking for the London Legal Walk to fundraise for this project. Um, it's on Monday, actually. So if people can donate, that would be really incredible. And all the um, donations obviously will go directly towards the members that we're supporting. No, great. Thank you so much for great. talking to us, Brian. All right. Thanks so much, Nathan. Pleasure. I then spoke to Victor Mujakachi, who's an organizer at SIMAG in Sheffield. Welcome, Victor. Welcome, and thank you for having me. Brilliant. So, talk to us about, about SIMAG and the causes that it, it's fighting. Why, why was it set up? SIMAG. Uh, that's an acronym for South Yorkshire Migration Action Asylum Group. Okay. Um, this is a, a Sheffield-based organization yep. set up uh, a decade ago. Mm -hmm. um, its main aims when it was originally set up was to advocate um, and champion for better um, accommodation for asylum seekers. Uh, those asylum seekers... Uh, who are housed in home office uh, supported accommodation. Okay. Um, it became quite apparent um, uh, as um, the personal policy took off that um, most asylum seekers would be uh, housed in inadequate uh, asylum accommodation. Okay, so just so our audience understand, so when you say dispersal policies, this is the home office when someone arrives here to come and claim sanctuary, they send them out to different cities. So there's local authorities who accept asylum seekers. And so there's housing provision provided. So you're saying that this housing was inadequate? Precisely so. Um, the dispersal policy operates on the basis that when an asylum seeker uh, comes in and they claim asylum, mm -hmm. uh, they are uh, categorized as a a homeless individual or if it's a family that right. uh, uh, family is homeless mm -hmm. which is true to quite uh, uh, a large extent mm -hmm. because when they come in mm -hmm. they don't have anywhere to stay right but then the government through the dispersal policy that i've uh, just uh, mentioned mm -hmm. they send them to other regions uh, possibly regions outside uh, the places where they would have uh, claimed asylum. Okay. And um, the government then works in conjunction with uh, local authorities yeah. to provide suitable accommodation to house asylum seekers whilst they are processing their asylum claims. Right. Or they can um, signpost them to service providers mm -hmm. who provide accommodation and uh, these accommodation places uh, where the asylum seekers are then uh, housed uh, through private companies. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. So what sort of conditions were people living in? What prompted you to start campaigning? So it became quite uh, apparent uh, that um, the when the government changed its policy in terms of dispersal of housing asylum seekers mm -hmm. because initially housing used to be 
uh, 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 provided by local authorities, councils. Okay. Um, this was changed mm-hmm. um, where councils lost the contract to house asylum seekers to private companies because mm-hmm. private companies provided uh, cheaper alternatives in terms mm-hmm. of their budgets and submissions. Right. Um, it became evident that cheap didn't mean good quality. Mm. And uh, most of these asylum seekers were uh, housed in um, structurally unsound properties, um, where uh, amenities were uh, not um, uh, adequate. Mm-hmm. And um, we started getting complaints from asylum seekers housed in those uh, uh, accommodation places that um, the standards that they expected were f- f- short, fell short to those that you would, you would adequately uh, house uh, an ordinary human being. Okay. Uh, especially where children were concerned, there were safety mm-hmm. concerns, uh, sticking out uh, electric wires, mm-hmm. blockages, and mm-hmm. issues like that. And this is where a Simon came in. Right, okay. So the, the health and safety sounds like the conditions are quite hazardous. They um, were hazardous mm. and they were also health and safety concerns. So what, what actions has CIMAG taken? And because we're, we're talking about solidarity knows no borders and trying to build solidarity in your community in Sheffield, uh, what actions has, has CIMAG taken and how can people join those? So, solidarity is, uh, is the key word. Mm-hmm. Um, CIMAG then, in the light of that, uh, the, 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 the realization that uh, they were um, uh, getting information about um, inadequate housing, substandard mm-hmm. housing, mm-hmm. Um, started acting in solidarity, to borrow your phrase, yeah. with... Um, the occupants of those temporary occupants because they were there for a temporary uh, period only mm-hmm. um, in solidarity with them so that they would help them and mm-hmm. advocate and campaign on their behalf for them to get uh, proper accommodation this was attempting to assist them mm-hmm. to help them mm-hmm. so that they could uh, get a fair deal from the home office was what were, what they were getting was an unfair deal. They were supposed to be getting proper accommodation as human beings, mm-hmm. but um, in the end, they d- discovered that uh, they were really being shortchanged by the private contractors who were supposed to provide them with uh, proper um, uh, uh, accommodation. Okay, and how can people in Sheffield join in with your cause? We get our funding from um, donations, mm-hmm. fundraising, and what have you. We do campaigns um, in solidarity with um, uh, those people whom we feel are being uh, given a, a raw deal, particularly mm-hmm. asylum seekers, mm-hmm. um, because those are marginalized members of uh, uh, our societies. Mm-hmm. Most of them... Um, uh, just uh, operate under the radar 
people don't know that these things are happening to them. The, the uh, public at large don't realize that uh, asylum seekers, when they get uh, this type of accommodation, mm -hmm. it's uh, substandard and adequate. Mm -hmm. So we invite them uh, to our meetings because we also have got uh, a publicity secretary yeah. and a website yeah. where um, they can get information about um, uh, the campaigns and the work that we do mm -hmm. in solidarity with uh, asylum seekers mm -hmm. and uh, where they can channel their complaints mm -hmm. and uh, we also invite them to our meetings mm -hmm. and um, uh, requesting them to give an account of their experiences which is helpful mm -hmm. we've got um, a, an academic with whom we work right. um, who does um, a research mm -hmm. uh, on behalf of um, a, a people seeking asylum mm -hmm. and uh, this researcher gets all the information about um, uh, inadequate housing mm -hmm. and um, he, he turns all that information into academic document uh, presentations of which have been made to uh, universities mm -hmm. and uh, even to parliament yeah. Um, so we work with, uh, with uh, people uh, along those lines so that we can provide them with uh, as much uh, help as, uh, as we can. And we've scored quite a lot of success, successes in that regard. Right. And more broadly, looking at the national picture, would you say that people who are outside of Sheffield are suffering the same, you know, challenges regarding their housing? Because we've seen... Um, the way that the Home Secretary has moved towards institutionalized accommodation, so places like Napier Barracks and, and Penali, is that another frontier where your campaigns might actually start going to now outside of Sheffield to try and stop that kind of accommodation, you know, coming up across the country? Our campaign at the moment um is uh, local, it's yeah. rather localized, mm. but um, from the work we've been doing over the years, mm -hmm. um, we've uh, found ourselves uh, in the national, on the national spotlight, yeah. um, because uh, we work in col collaboration with um, organizations like NACOM, mm. we work uh, with organizations like These Walls Must Fall, we work uh, with organizations that are uh, against um, detention, uh, immigration detention of um, mm -hmm. unfair immigration detention of uh, refugees, uh, of asylum seekers. Mm -hmm. um, so that is sort of uh, broadened um, uh, our perspective. Mm -hmm. um, as to your question whether we can go national, mm -hmm. what normally happens is um, the people who we support mm -hmm. in their campaign in their campaigns and advocate for mm -hmm. come from outside Sheffield. They find themselves in Sheffield, and mm -hmm. this is where we start working with them. Right. Um, there are other organisations mm -hmm. that uh, do similar work, mm -hmm. but uh, we work um, uh, with them as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, our work is. Um, uh, uh, based uh, purely in Sheffield. 
However, we collaborate with organizations that uh, um, uh, seek to improve uh, accommodation of asylum seekers uh, at national level. We've done that in, in forms of uh, in terms of campaign mm -hmm. and um, it, 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 taking part in activities uh, where uh, national events are called for and we are asked to 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 attend and take part in those uh, in those uh, events. Okay. And finally, Victor, let's look at the general outlook of um, migration policy in the country. Um, there's a new Nationality and Borders Bill, which is before Parliament now. And we've seen a lot of people arriving by boat um, across the channel. And it's a really precarious time for, for a lot of people. What, what, what are CIMAG's views on what's happening in, in Britain and the direction of travel regarding refugees? The, um, I believe we are talking about uh, what is uh, commonly known as the immigration plan, mm. which I believe is going to be, uh, it's a fri frightening piece of uh, legislation if um, it um, becomes law. Mm. And um, CIMAG, and other organizations who are similarly minded are very concerned. Mm -hmm. um, it's now a bill and um, with the government's majority, it yeah. may well be law. Um, but CIMAG and other organizations are very concerned. They are not uh, sitting on their laurels. Mm -hmm. um, they are uh, uh, taking part in campaigns Mm -hmm. uh, making representations uh, to the lawmakers, uh, to local uh, members of parliament, mm -hmm. uh, to petition against uh, the, 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 the bill. Mm -hmm. um, it's in, its, um, in the way that the, the, the bill is uh, fashioned out, mm -hmm. we are very concerned that um, most of its provisions are unworkable mm -hmm. and um, they should either be amended or the bill itself be discarded uh, in its entirety mm -hmm. because uh, this notion to pick one aspect of it mm -hmm. where um, uh, migrants or refugees or asylum seekers are categorized in two groups as good asylum seekers and bad asylum seekers is totally unworkable mm -hmm. uh, on the basis of uh, the migratory route that they they take. Mm -hmm. um, that is never going to happen and that is never going to work. Mm -hmm. um, so CIMAG and other organizations are working as much and as hard as possible mm -hmm. to petition lawmakers to take everybody who is similarly minded on board, on board uh, to try as much as possible, highlight the issues and the concerns that uh, we are getting from other organizations and uh, people who are affected that uh, this is a very punitive bill and uh, its provisions are totally unworkable. Right. Now, Victor, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you. I spoke to Ali Swadling, who works on the front line against immigration raids. Many will remember the events on Kenmuir Street in Glasgow, where 
the community prevented border force from enforcing detention of one of their neighbours. So welcome, Ali. Thank you. Um, Anti-raids. Most people won't, I suppose, recognise anti-raids. Tell us, tell our audience, what's anti-raids about? Okay, so anti-raids is a decentralised network across the UK. Um, so we have amazing people that started it um, quite a long time ago in London, mm-hmm. uh, Harangay and Newham. Um, but essentially it's uh, opposing immigration enforcement through like a real diverse range of tactics. So that can be like blocking a van, which is what we saw in Glasgow, Mm -hmm. Uh, lots of education within the community, um, lots of solidarity work and education. Um, But really like this this idea and and how the the point of resistance is where um, immigration enforcement, they need to have informed consent and often they really abuse that and, and don't have that. So that's a real good like in for us to, to educate people so we can look after each other. Um, mm. And it's not whether you're going to be targeted by enforcement, right? It's so we stop enforcement kidnapping our neighbours and hurting each other and, and we're looking after our communities. Mm. Um, so yeah, Leeds Anti-Raids, we started in December last year and we've just been slowly building up that community of, of support. Um, mm. So what, what is it like on, on the ground when you're actually going to an anti-raid? Paint a picture for our <laughs> audience. It's having to have like challenging conversations with like a lot, of really wide range of different people. Mm. Um, so yeah, and then really like responding to the community. So we, we've done like a freedom information request to get information about where immigration raids are happening in Leeds and West Yorkshire as a whole. Mm. Um, but it's not just about that. It's like speaking to the community, being like, what, what do you need? Like, how can we make you feel like you are supported and you're not alone in this? Um, and mm. I think because during, uh, the pandemic, like raids are really reduced, but they're starting to pick up again now. Mm. Um, so it's how we're going to use that. We had that little rest period to, to sort of build the movement up and now we need to really like pick things up again so yeah and given we're talking about solidarity not knowing any borders mm-hmm. um how do people join up with you in in the areas that you work so we're only in leeds but i'd like obviously always encourage people to start their own groups and their own communities because it's the people who you live with and you know best and that's the best way for it to happen mm. um but yeah we have like a whatsapp outreach group so people can dip in and out as and when they choose mm. We've got like an ice alerts group which is really how glasgow happened so i was in that ice alerts group um just to learn off other people and meet activists but really what happened was all day pinging off and and people calling each other and adding themselves to the group and that's how people quickly and collectively came together some people might argue that immigration enforcement is is vital is a vital part of of home office policy what what would you say to those people like we're taught to distrust each other the tentacles of the hostile environment play out in our everyday life and how we resist that is through teaching each other that we can trust each other and we need to build communities uh, and not not be sending people off to detention. Yeah, so is that, is that essentially what solidarity means to you? And yeah, the more people who, who turn up and, and oppose this kind of oppressive yeah. state is... Yeah, for sure. And um, 
it's just people talking to people and mm. like reminding each other that we're human and we all have families and things we enjoy doing and that like just yeah we need to stop seeing this idea of what the home office is painting that there's like a scarcity of resources and we need to be blaming each other mm. um and really encouraging to people to look up and not be blaming one another um so it really plays into like lots of things um yeah and and through like my work i see how important it is um when people become destitute when they're going through the asylum process and mm. how once you have a support network in place that really is the thing that keeps you safe right mm-hmm. um so we can build that we can build mm. it stronger and stronger the the better position we're in yeah and what what does um a migrant justice movement look like nationally for you how how do people get to that migrant justice movement i think more interconnection um mm. so between anti-fascist anti-racist movements but then like housing issues and climate stuff like it all it's all connected right so we need to like a lot more solidarity between different movements and not just focusing on on one thing um because they're all they're all connected yeah and are there, are there any opportunities now that people can exploit given this environment that um, migration is in with the nationality and borders bill how, how can we build up the movement and get more people involved I think the the police and sentencing bill is another way to see how these two connect to each other yeah um, and that really affects a lot of people um, so understanding and, and like really like drawing the links between the two. Um, so anti-raids are been really present in a lot of other uh, protests and movements and stuff that may not feel like directly linked to immigration enforcement, but we can see how they're really important. Um, so like all the Free Palestine stuff that was happening earlier this year, like we're talking about colonial borders yeah. worldwide, right? Yeah. Um, and, and how racist and violent borders like impact people. So thinking about that and then the right to protest and... Um, you know the trespass laws and things like that so like we're just really like building the connections together a lot more and i think all these bills have kind of given us an opportunity to look at it a bit more like that mm. are you hopeful are you hopeful I'm that hopeful. will <laughs> that this movement will succeed and that there, there will be a lot of solidarity have to be yeah yeah no, thank you so much for speaking to us ali it's okay <laughs> thank you pleasure Finally, I spoke to Booker Coffee, who's an activist at the campaign group These Walls Must Fall. I began by asking him which walls must fall. Um, These Walls Must Fall. That's a very interesting campaign group. Um, explain to our audience what, what, what is These Walls Must Fall and which, which walls must fall. Um. This was must fall uh, because uh, we believe that uh, there is a lot of walls around mm. the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started a bit with uh, ideologically, for instance, mm-hmm. but there's also some physical walls and there is also some imaginary walls mm. like uh, boundaries created to divide countries, mm-hmm. ideologies to put uh, people in some kind of... Uh, uh, I don't know what's it's pretty much difficult for me to find the world, but it's some form of sect, 
sectarianism. Uh, what's the word in English? Sect- sectarianism. Yeah. Uh, to create uh, some entities which we believe are not viable for 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 us as humans because we need to be to be free to get out of the narrow definitions and uh, imaginary walls that created uh, to divide us basically give us give us a, a couple of causes that your specific ones if you can spell them out for us that um, you're fighting the partition of of africa for instance is is uh, one example where uh, some people uh, somewhere who had no uh, affinity with the people who were living on those parts of the world decided okay listen from tomorrow uh, the boundaries of 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 we believe that mm. you need to uh, to adhere to start from here to there, for instance, and they divided the, the continent on those grounds, basically. Okay, and in this country, given there's a migrant movement that is building, what what walls are migrants or refugees and asylum seekers encountering? Uh, they started with uh, the the definition of who a migrant is, for instance. Right. There is uh, some people are called bogus asylum seekers for, for a start. Mm. Some are economic migrants. Some are uh, genuine asylum seekers, political asylum seekers and stuff. And uh, uh, as a result of it, legitimately, some are put in detention centers, for instance, mm-hmm. and uh, some also uh, are languishing in an economic uh, destitute state mm-hmm. on the basis of the fact that they are put in different categories. So from the home office perspective, it's legitimate to, uh, to think and to, 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 to use some of them as the, as the way, the definition, the different definitions they created, do you mm-hmm. get me, where they fit in, in within those definitions. And uh, that's uh, one of the reasons why we believe that all these walls must fall so that they understand that uh, an asylum seeker mm-hmm. is can't be a bogus asylum seeker, can't be an economic um, asylum seeker or any of those definitions they use to, to divide us, basically. We are all part of uh, uh, the consequences of the political... Uh, political choices. Of- uh, uh, which... Uh, which creates uh, different people from different countries or for the same countries to to leave those countries for various reasons, basically. Right. And given we're talking about solidarity knows no borders, how can people join your movement and, you know, get solidarity? 
with solidarity knows no borders. Uh, people can join uh, because uh, as, uh, as a platform uh, we, we have uh, various groups in various regions of, of uh, the country mm -hmm. who adhere to the principle that uh, uh, solidarity is, is the framework from which uh, we can uh, actually identify and share uh, uh, what we have in common. And mm. what we have in common as, as, as human beings is, is, is even compassion. Mm. And people need to understand that it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, I started a bit before with the fact that some of the boundaries they created, uh, the purpose of them were to divide us. But solidarity, it's it transnational uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, ideas which enable us to to go beyond the borders they created and to to have compassion which over people from over part of the world because we are humans first before mm -hmm. the boundaries. Okay, and particularly at this time in this country when Britain has left the European Union and is projecting itself as as global Britain why does solidarity matter now uh, solidarity for 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 us is that Britain has to to play a role in mm -hmm. because uh, as as an african uh, mm -hmm. britain was on the table when the partition of africa was was decided mm -hmm. and today the world is going through uh, i would not want to say uh, a very difficult or uh, existential uh, uh, time mm -hmm. so now is the time when you look at the 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 issues with uh, the, the environment, when you look at uh, uh, the global uh, uh, recession, you look at the pandemic, uh, uh, which is uh, an example mm -hmm. of how uh, a country as, uh, as rich or powerful as it might be mm -hmm. is not able on its own uh, to, you know, I mean, to to face all those challenges, and as human beings, we need to to create the conditions for us as individuals to mm. to flourish and to be able uh, to to face the challenges we we all face as as humanity. Because uh, the pan what the pandemic has shown is that. Something which happened in China mm -hmm. can have ramifications on the lives of people in, in the UK. And yeah, uh, it is the pandemic we know about today, but there is more challenges to come for humanity. And mm -hmm. solidarity for us is for us to be able to come together as, as, as human 
regardless of our background or our geographical location and stuff, mm -hmm. and to face the challenges humanity faces as individuals, as as countries, as uh, as communities mm -hmm. and, and stuff. And that is for, for us why we believe that we need to extend uh, solidarity to refugees, to migrants, who after all are uh, what I call the global majority because of the fact that uh, I don't know on top of my head now, mm -hmm. but the migration issue is not a British issue. It's not a European issue. Mm -hmm. It's a global issue. Mm. And for those people who have only just learnt about your organisation, how, what kind of support can they, can they provide for you? And those who want to join in your actions, can you talk to us about some of the actions that your, your organisation is taking to bring down these walls. Uh, we we are in in the UK in uh, Manchester in Liverpool in Leeds in Sheffield mm -hmm. in Bristol in London and uh, we are uh, pretty much uh, trying to create some kind of orbs in different parts of the country mm -hmm. where individuals can come together and mount any type of uh, action uh, 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 there locally they, they, they think is appropriate according uh, within their means and stuff to, to challenge mm -hmm. uh, the narrative and uh, to approach uh, in Sheffield for instance what we've done um, as part of uh, the Solidarity Knows No Border uh, platform we uh, recently uh, had a demonstration in front of uh, the home office um, offices Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result of it, we actually managed to, to have a, a meeting with uh, one of the executives mm -hmm. there to uh, highlight the plight of, of, of asylum seekers in, in the city of, uh, of, of Sheffield, which is pretty much the same, uh, we believe, is the condition in which uh, many of the uh, asylum seekers and migrants live under uh, throughout uh, the UK basically. So what we are asking is, uh, uh, we are asking for people mm -hmm. to join the network, to, uh, uh, there's detention.org, uh, where they can find more information on what we do, and uh, sign up to the newsletters and uh, we will be able to, uh, to inform them, update them on what we, we are currently doing and what we are planning for the future. Yeah, it sounds like a very, very difficult uh, task there that you're you're fighting. So, I wish you all the best of luck, uh, Bukan. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Okay, cheers. Thank you. Thanks very much. If you'd like more information and would want to join one of these campaign groups, go to migrantsorganize.org. So until the next episode of the Still We Rise podcast series, thank you so much for listening and goodbye.